changed. It's not just that Zacchaeus was saved by grace, but he was changed behaviorally by God's grace. God's grace was greater than his greed, which brought a change in his behavior. He started viewing and handling his money differently. What he had formerly utilized as a tool for himself, he began utilizing as a means to caring for others. In other words, God's grace taught him to say no to ungodliness, which is exactly the impact that Paul says grace is to have on our lives. In this week's sermon, Pastor Kelly preached on Luke 19, 1-10, the story of Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. Today, we'll be discussing questions around these verses and more. Stay tuned from Glen Ellen Bible Church. I'm Matt Marone. I'm John Vanderveld. I'm Beth Moss. And I'm Kelly Brady, and this is episode 200 of the Next Level Podcast. Made it. 200. And Beth wore her shirt. She did. What else would I wear? <laughs> well, we today? conspired. It was really... We conspired and we're like, we should wear our shirts. We and then we'll see, we're like, let's see if Beth does let's it. Let's see if Beth actually <laughs> does it. Uh, I couldn't find my shirt actually today, but no worries. We have multiple at home. So. <laughs> I found dance. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kelly's like, I, I got say, 40 oh, yeah. at my house. <laughs> I got 48. I was going to say, it looks a little large on you, uh-huh. but that's the smallest size Kelly got. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wore mine like three days on vacation. Mm, you did I not. I did. I don't know that Jennifer really liked it all that much. No. <laughs> Shocking. So my color pictures are like me, next level. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, maybe you could wear a different shirt today. When we it didn't make it home today. from Florida, did it? <laughs> Stay in Florida. People on the beach are like looking it up on their phone. No, no, right, right. <laughs> what is next level? Oh, man. What if we have tons of listeners today because of your shirt wearing in Florida? Oh, yeah. What if, yeah, what if it what jumped? If? Viewership jumped, jumped <laughs> no, geographically, it, 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 yeah. jumped uh-huh. numerically. I think it could. Hey, we uh, we took a couple weeks off. Yeah. Because, uh, primarily because we're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Secondarily Speak because because we... Matt was on vacation and Kelly was on vacation. Yeah. That's nice that you guys get to do mm-hmm. that. That um, is. Moving right along. <laughs> yeah, moving right along. So we're back for 200th episode. And then. And then yeah, then we're going to take on again. <laughs> Guess what we're going to do next? And then. Go out ta- with a bang. That's what we're going to do. We're taking the summer off. We're taking the summer off because I'll be away on sabbatical and. Let's and face I, and it, I'm John lazy. can't do Kelly all can't of Kelly's job. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, John said, I, I, I don't want to do all that. So, yeah. And it makes sense. Um, 200 episodes. It's a good and break. pretty mm-hmm. consistently. I mean, we've taken some weeks off here yep. or there. Yeah. Um, that's a really long run for uh, for a podcast, too. So get yeah. caught mm-hmm. up this summer on all the episodes yeah, you that, missed. That's right. what we're doing. We're, that we're giving them yeah. space. The, the influx of people from <laughs> yes. the Floridians that uh-huh. are listening yeah. now. We're right. Get caught up. That's right. going to take a long time. We will be back in September and ready to go. And is that when you'll be back also? Yeah. September? Yeah. September 6th. I am back. Okay. What are yeah. your plans? For people who weren't at the business meeting. Yeah, so it's uh, sabbatical is is a time of um, not no work, but different work. And so I'm to be visiting other churches. In particular, I'm going to visit churches that uh, have multi-campus ministry paradigms. Glowing Bible Church is going to try their hand, Lord willing, at a multi-campus paradigm, meaning we'll start another campus in a nearby burb. Um, and, and so we'd be one church in two locations and try to reach out. And so I want to visit some churches that are doing that well. And they're all in the Chicagoland area. 
Uh, I want to see churches that are doing it in our culture context. They're doing it well. And then I want to visit churches that are multi-ethnic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glow Bible Church, uh, the elders would love to see our diversity grow. And, um, and so I want to visit some churches who have done that well, who have moved from uh, just one particular demographic to broadening in diversity. And, and we've made some real strides in that. Our care center uh, has increased our, um, our diversity pretty significantly, just our, our week-to-week contact uh, with one another. And so I, uh, you know, the longing ultimately would be on this diversity question um, is that we would reach our community. In Glenbard West and Glenbard South and Wheaton North and Wheaton South, the, the four primary high schools that we serve, um, our church doesn't look like the demographics in those high school. And, and that's okay. I don't think there's sin in that, but I do think there's opportunity missed. What mm-hmm. are the demographics in the, uh, my kids are younger, what are the demographics in those high schools roughly? Well, I can tell you the, the elementary that my kids went to, which is two, three blocks from my house in Wheaton. And the reason I know this is because Sherry works there. She's an aide in the classroom with developmentally disabled children. Uh, a couple years ago, and I remember th- this distinctly thinking, wow, that's a startling statistic in the heart of Wheaton. 50% of the incoming kindergarten class spoke English as their second language. Hmm. 50%, 5-0. And so the diversity... And this is an old statistic. By the year 2030, uh, whites will not be the majority in DuPage County. In DuPage County. Um, so what kind of ethnicities are we talking about, that 50% of incoming kindergarten? Is that what you said? Yeah. So Hawthorne pulls a lot from a corridor um, along uh, Main Street and then into South Carroll Stream, where a lot of the languages taught are Southeast Asia. Uh, languages that are coming in our Southeast Asian, Burmese Southeast in particular. Asian, okay. In fact, our care center, the largest uh, cultural demographic that our care center ca- reaches is a Burmese language group. So yeah. Karen, I think, is mm. a more accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because when, I mean, when one drives around Wheaton, you don't get that sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, I that, don't know. It depends on where you're driving. And it, it depends on where you're shopping. Let, so yeah, that's I, true. I think these I think these ethnicities are living parallel lives and um, and not intersecting. So mm-hmm. it depends on where you're shopping and where you're hanging out. I you know, young life in the area uh, on whose board I served for several years, um, you know, young life is working really hard at it's a historically it reaches the Anglo community, the white community and and it just doesn't uh, and they're working hard to to do the diversity work too, trying to yeah to reach the whole high school. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Have you guys thought through, um, and I know we'll get into questions here in a minute in sermon review, but for multi-site, um, so most churches that have multi-site have like a name, you know, mm. like Life Spring Church or yeah, we're whatever changing church. It yeah. Like how's that going to work? One, sh- one church Wellspring. in two locations, <laughs> but one is Glen Allen Bible Church and the other is a completely different name. Or in a different town. In a different yeah. town. Can't be yeah. Glen Allen. So well, different town is fine though because... If the name is the same, it's easier to 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 live under the you know one right. church, many locations. But the Glen Ellen might be confusing, right? Yeah, the Glen Ellen's a little specific mm-hmm. for a multi-campus, multi-burb type yeah. experience. Have you guys thought through that at all, or what that? Just loosely, yeah. Just there's a there's an acknowledgement among the elders that uh, if we want to be a church with multiple locations, that we probably have to broaden our name. Yeah. I I particularly like the Bible element of our name, so I wouldn't want to give that up. But, but I'm only 
one voice in the mix, but yeah. 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 All right. Just a thought. Mm-hmm. Have um, you seen the John Christ uh, <laughs> sketch? <laughs> no, but he's so one? funny. It's, it, so John Christ, if our listeners aren't familiar with him, is a comedian, and particularly he pokes fun at the church. He's a, mm-hmm. And, and so, Christian culture. And Christian culture. And so he was doing a, a show on guess which it is, is it a oh, marijuana yes. dispensary or is it a church? Oh, that's hilarious. Because they have like wellspring lights. Have you not, have you not seen this, John? Next no, level? I, don't, I don't. I haven't followed him in a while. Oh, it was hilarious. Is this a church <laughs> or a marijuana dispensary? Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Uh, Northern Lights. Huh? <laughs> How about that one? Yeah. Higher. Life spring. Right. So. Yeah. Um, we would want to work through yeah. <laughs> that delicate subject on name change. And that's, that's you know, cart before the horse issues. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, you know, the congregation would hear a lot about that. It, it wouldn't be sprung on anybody. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that might take some time to process for people who have been around this church for sure. a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, let's, let's be honest. Wheaton Bible is not located in Wheaton. No, right. It's located in West, West Chicago. Chicago. Their mailing address is West Chicago. And they, they did not want to give up that name. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get it. People are attached to the name. But I actually don't know that. Let's put a Wheaton Bible Church in Wheaton. <laughs> <laughs> what about Wheaton Academy? falls in the same boat, and then right? Have like a, yeah. Same like West a, Chicago? Yeah, yeah, totally. And then mm-hmm. have a... <laughs> Maybe you just Make put, a claim maybe you just on the, put the Bible church at the end of each name yeah. and the, the location. Of the Bible well, church. Most of the burbs around oh, here have a Bible church already. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. So we would have to. This is where the Baptists are 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 kind of great because they just go with the number. Number one. Number First two. Baptist <laughs> Church of Glen Ellen. <laughs> Second Baptist, Baptist Church right. of Glen Ellen. I've seen up to fourth. Fourth Baptist really? Church. Fourth Baptist. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or the Christian Reformed Church did the same. First Christian Reformed Church, Second Christian Reformed Church, wow. Third Christian when Reformed When Sherry and I were dating, first time she'd been to Texas, we went out to West Texas to visit my granny. And I said, hey, honey, come here. I want to show you something. It was Sunday morning. And granny, we were all getting ready to go to church, granny's church. And so this was back when they had a, a phone book in your house, right? And oh, so yeah. it was a Yellow Pages. Mm-hmm. And so I opened the Yellow Pages to Baptist. And I'm not kidding. Wait, there can were, we just go back? Do you open the what? <laughs> the yellow. Yeah. The yellow pages. The yellow pages. There's yellow. like weird certain words that you... <laughs> so I funny. get my Texas on. So... Okay, set. You say set. And cement. I'm huh. sorry that you just had to set there. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the yellow well, there pages. Were, like a worship <laughs> like set. set. There, there were looking in the dozens page. of pages of Baptist churches. Oh. Dozens. She yeah. was just... Crazy. She was stunned. Anyway, we digress. Mm-hmm. Hey, the one thing I did want to talk about was the mask optional. How did we feel, feel that went yesterday? That was a big shift for our church. Lots of churches are making that shift, mm-hmm. and stores are trying to make that shift. Right. <laughs> Shopping these days is chaos. So we had several changes in our worship service. One person came up after first service and said, I feel like I just went from coach, uh, from first class to coach. Because mm-hmm. the rows are so the close. Are so <laughs> fun. Oh, yeah. Somebody yeah. said, there's no way this is how it was before COVID. Oh, it wasn't really? like this. I'm like, it's even it's more exactly, so. It's yeah. exactly the same. How, no, and the, the rows. They thought that they were closer now oh. than they've ever been. I was yeah. like, no, nope. exactly the same. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Did we think but it, it went just good? feels you're so used to being in places where you're not sitting so close to right. people, unless you've been on an airplane. And there was but, plenty of room to spread out. Our room was by no means full. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We had Which a whole, is another subject. Yeah. Whole row. Right? Row yeah. next to us. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was good. You know, I came in, we all came in with our masks on because that's usually like the yeah, safest yeah, way. Right. And then we're like, oh, all right, great. <laughs> <laughs> I did a joke. If everybody were jumping off a bridge. Path, would you jump off? A Maybe <laughs> if there was a bungee cord. I um I did a there was a couple two couples that were coming in late. They had just kind of dropped their kids not super late, but they had dropped their kids off and they were kind of walking in the lobby, kind of quietly as they came to the worship center. And I went towards them. And I said, "Hey, you guys got to put on masks." And the, the <laughs> terrified their, their faces were like. Oh no! Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're fine. So How weird was it to see people's faces? It was yeah. nice to see people singing. I think singing I... again, and not just assume they're singing. Right. Yeah. Well, I've right. thought of that too, Kelly. When you preach, like, no. do you realize when people are smiling at you? Probably no. not. No. You. I think that we have, as a culture, though, we have learned to read people's eyes. We. Yeah, we've always read people's eyes. That would be an like interesting that's a study, huge part of how we communicate is our eyes, but. I think even more so, you can tell when people are like, everybody, like, like no <laughs> one's buying Cumulative, it. like, wide-eyed look. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure the cross, the folded arms mm. and not singing posture looks the same with or without yeah. mask. <laughs> That's Matt's favorite posture to talk <laughs> about, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to call it out until it's wiped out. <laughs> Somebody asked me this Sunday, we were talking about, uh, they had, they were, we were talking about masks are off. Now you can see if people are sleeping or not. I was like, what? what? How did you? I'm not like, th- I'm like, bro. <laughs> Somebody was there, wearing their mask. I've been wrong. up there a yeah. few times preaching, and uh, I can tell when people are sleeping. It's the same people. Yeah, right. <laughs> no one sleeps like, when I preach. He's John. like, seriously, people, people sleep. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, we just Aww. we just came from Florida, so this this felt great. Florida is totally open. I mean, mm. it, and it was. I thought, like, how long is this going to take me? Because I went in with a mask on uh, into like a grocery store and they had a sign and it said, you know, wear a mask. But the, the, the day before we got there, DeSantis had had lifted the uh, lifted, order. Yeah, like yeah. you can't as a business, you can't make someone wear a mask in Florida. So you can have a sign mm-hmm. up, but you can't enforce it. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I went in there and and I had a mask on because that's what the sign said. And I looked in and it was about 80, 20. It was about mm-hmm. 80, 20. Uh, no mask. 80. Yeah masked 20 and I went up to someone with them and I was like hey so the sign and they're like no you don't have to I'm like okay and I thought I wondered like how long is it going to take me to get used to it it took about a day mm-hmm. and yeah, then right. for the rest of the week it was just I went it to felt totally normal again I went to Costco on Thursday yeah so oh, it's been a whole week since the CDC said you didn't have to or whatever and then Illinois kind of like mm-hmm. dragged their feet a little bit to come out with a thing a couple of days later of you don't have to wear them. And then, and then all the stores came out and said, you're free. You don't have to wear masks in here anymore or whatever. Well, Costco was one of those stores. I went in there. I, I texted Kelly and Grant. And I was like, I am one of three people in this store. And I have to go to all the parts of the store mm-hmm. to shop, you know, for everything. And so I'm like, I'm pacing, looking at everything. I was one of three people that didn't have a mask on. Everybody else still had a mask on. Yeah. So. I think it'd be a slow change for people. There Probably. were folks that were here on Sunday that were masked. They felt fine. most comfortable that mm-hmm. way. It's great. I mean, Florida yeah. and Illinois are two different, yeah. different animals animals. Totally. of how yeah. they handled yeah. it yeah. since day one. So. I will say, go ahead, Beth. Oh, I was just going to say, I think I'll be able to adapt to 
the mask wearing or not pretty quickly. It's the distance. I think I've gotten used to just being mindful of like, I got to be at least six feet from this person. So mask or not continues, right? Right. Like like people don't have to be awkwardly too close to me in social situations. Yeah. (laughs) I'm fine with that. Like bro, keep the stickers on the ground when we're standing in line. Right. right? I'd be okay with that. Give me a little space. Or the close talkers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Smell a lot less bad breath with mm-hmm. the masks on, you know? Somebody said, I'm just going to keep wearing mine through allergy season. I've never felt this great. The allergy, <laughs> their allergies <laughs> are like way, <laughs> way <that>. down. <laughs> yep. Anyway, I thought it went great. I felt like it was the most normal-ish mm-hmm. feeling Sunday, yeah. despite the yeah. room not being as full as it was yeah. normally that we've had in a, in a long mm-hmm. time. I felt it was upbeat. I felt like people were really happy. Yeah. Excited to kind of really take a big step towards people hung out, normal, normalcy. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. So hospitality is coming. Hospitality back, uh-huh. back right. on the donuts on, is on what the, we mean, right? Let's yeah, be explicit. Right. Don- donuts and coffee and <laughs> the donuts are back. And fellowship mm-hmm. time in the in the gym will be back. Wow, on the thirtieth. Then we're outdoors right. on the sixth. Yep. What is it? Worship in the parking lot. Worship mm-hmm. in the parking. The lot. restrictions for Glen Ellen's Park District. Uh, weren't ones they were they had expectations for masking and distancing that we mm. didn't think we could really ask our congregation to do so we're worshiping in the parking lot rather than at the park Should and then fun. what's the plan for the summer will it be mostly indoors or will you do indoors. a combo of parking indoors. lot okay we have one more in the parking lot july 4th mm-hmm. and then um and then we're looking at a tentative spot for worship in the park uh in august hoping okay. that the hoping park that, district mm-hmm. relaxes yeah. their expectations yeah and then is there baptism on June? There was going to be on June 6th, and we just didn't have anybody sign up. So. Okay. If we get a but bunch if, of people to sign people up, we'll do it. But if people wanted to? Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Great. And Luke is coming to an end. <laughs> Two weeks. <laughs> Two more weeks. <laughs> Luke, I'm just looking at the notes here. Yeah. Luke is coming to an end. We've been in it since when? October 2019. Wow. <laughs> That says it all. <laughs> like October, w- I would be fine, but a year ago, 2019. Octo- 2019. Not no, not 2020. 2019. Colossians is summer. Colossians That's fun. Fun. That is a great one. Yeah. yeah That's all you, John, huh? I will do most of it, but mm-hmm. we have some other voices as well. Great. Which be great. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. All right. Is the outdoor service also a communion Sunday? It, it is. is. So how is it? Bring your own? No, or? we'll have the little service. Okay. Tiny little <laughs> self-serve <laughs> things. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it, do people need to bring chairs? Chairs. 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 Right. Park off site. Uh-huh. Bring your yep. own chairs. Okay. And we'll make a note now so we don't forget later. That service, we are encouraging absolutely everybody to come out. Yeah. Come to church. So It seems like it is time for everybody to come back to church it seems yeah you and if, if you still are hesitant being inside and that kind of thing totally fine mm-hmm. you got health reasons or whatever but we're going to be outside we're going to be all spread out on the parking lot it's mm-hmm. completely and totally uh as safe as we can be and um so please come out mm-hmm. and so on that note there will not be live stream uh, okay. For the, out- June 6th. for the outdoor service. Two services so. or just one that day? There's two. Okay. Nine and ten thirty. Nine and ten thirty. So even even more opportunity to. Mm-hmm. Are we doing out. the tarps again like we did last time? I don't time? know. We'll we'll see how the sun is. Okay. So if it's hot and blazing sun, then we have shelter for for those that want it. 
if it's a nice, cool morning, we won't eat it. All right. Great. All right, let's get into questions. some questions. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Happy 200th episode, and we missed you the last couple weeks. Oh, no, that's nice. That was directed <laughs> at me. I have a question that I hope others relate to. How can those who feel that they are financially unstable, whether true or not, for example, graduate students, newly married, loss of job, etc., but can sense their own selfish desires in hoarding their money and idolizing it, begin to submit to God's desire for us to be sacrificial in all areas of our lives. Another way of asking the question may be, what are tangible ways to lay the groundwork for living sacrificially with money for the entirety of our lives who currently feel financially burdensome on others? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. We've covered money a lot on the podcast. And so, uh, and in the last couple of weeks, it's been kind of front and center mm-hmm. in the gospel of Luke as we made our way through it. So, you know, on this question, the person asked the question as a stage of life issue. What can mm-hmm. people who feel they're currently a, a, you know, financially underwater or unstable do to start cultivating a sacrificially, a sacrificial giving lifestyle or habit? The first thing I would say is I I don't, I I realize that, you know, if you're newly married, you don't have as much as when you're established. But the the truth is we live in this thoroughly materialistic Mm -hmm. world and this pull away from sacrificial giving is going to be a lifelong reality. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I actually felt it easier to give when I was young married than when I'm, Sherry and I will celebrate 30 years of marriage this September. I feel more pull towards, um, away from sacrificial giving now than I did when I was young. I was more courageous. I was mm-hmm. something about it. Um, and I had more time to, yeah, and maybe you had less significant expenses. Right? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Kids don't get cheaper folks. Let me just say that. So, uh, they get more expensive, and so. But the pull, this the materialism, the the pull to be selfish with our money rather than courageous and sacrificial, that's probably not going to go away. So I think it is a good question. Uh, I just I'm not convinced it's a a place in life question. I think mm-hmm. everybody should be asking this question. Um, I, I also think we should be reminded what sacrificial giving is. Sacrificial giving is defined as a giving habit that forces you to lower your standard of living. Mm-hmm. So where you're consciously saying, I'm giving this up, I'm sacrificing this, so I can give towards this mission. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. in, no, I like the word habit. It, yeah. When you're looking at these um, life phases, grad student, newly married, it's starting that habit yeah. for yourself. Because it can be easy when you're first starting out or, or not even if you're, right. you've had a loss of job or, or whatever, um, to say, well, this expense came up. So instead of giving this month, we're going to buy a new dishwasher because our dishwasher broke or whatever. But then breaking it down into what do we actually need and what do we want? You know, um, we don't actually need a dishwasher. (gasps) We can go without a dishwasher and give instead. And that's just and then you can actually um, watch how God's going to provide for that dishwasher or whatever. So at the, the more that habit kind of solidifies, the more you can hopefully see God's um, provision for you rather than feeling like you've provided for yourself. Yeah, so I would say there's an interesting, for those that are wrestling with giving issues, read 2 Corinthians chapter 8. There's a, 
Paul's talking about uh, a church in Macedonia. He says the Macedonians gave beyond their ability. And he's encouraging folks to excel in the grace of giving in that chapter. And he says about these Macedonians, they gave beyond their ability. And there's a lot of debate about what that means. I'm not exactly sure what it means to give beyond your ability. If I only have $2, I can't give three. Mm-hmm. So, but at any rate, Paul said, I think what Paul's saying is they gave sacrificially. They, they gave courageously. Um, they gave... With, um, with some recklessness, some abandon. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing. So um, the habit, I'd start with the habit, give initially, then develop a habit, mm-hmm. give regularly, and then move yourself into a, a, pa- a pattern of stretching yourself as a giver. Set some giving goals. John and I were talking about this. You had just read a book, I think. I was just going to bring it up yeah. in, in here because I think it, it's helpful. Um, it's called God and Money. And it's uh, a book written by two, I don't have it in front of me right now, but it's written by two guys that went to Harvard and they did their, their, and and were in an MBA program and they did some research around this and then came up with, uh, out of that uh, came the book, um, God and Money. And there's, I have not read it cover to cover, I'm, I'm familiar with it. But there are a few guys that are in the church and we're actually looking at potentially doing a small group um, in the, in the on this topic, yeah, mm-hmm. in the fall mm-hmm. with around the book and that that discussion. So, the book basically talks about God's heart in in um, giving and you know kind of the biblical um, understanding and and deconstructs some of our false thoughts about needing why a dishwasher you give and, <laughs> yeah, and 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 why you give and and that kind of thing. And then it gets into some real practical stuff. So there's actually a couple of guys that. They, they meet quarterly and they share their earning statements. From our church? From our church. Oh. They share exactly what they've made, exactly what they've given. Um, they have a, they share like a, like a folder. And uh, one of the guys that were just talking to me, he goes, just, just, do- just dropped my, uh, my 1040, my tax form from 2020 in the folder. So they're, the person that they are doing this with can look at it and see. And, and then they talk through. They talk through, yeah. How they're stewarding mm-hmm. their resources. Yeah, wow. it's a finish line concept where you, you look at what you actually need and you make that, here's what I need and um, and, and all the different parts of my life. And then, here's and then what, what am I going to do mm-hmm. with the excess? Once I've crossed the finish line, you know, what do I do with the, That's fun. the excess that I have? Or, mm-hmm. I'm kind of, I'm framing it very simplistically, but. So there might be some small groups discussing yeah, this? Yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds like direction we may go in the fall. Yeah, that's, that's cool. cool. Yeah, but it's a great book. It's worth it's worth uh, reading for sure. Mm-hmm. What about, um, this has been a lot about money. What about giving in other ways like time and talents? Where would you, would you say, say you've got a college kid or someone who's really not bringing in any income. Mm-hmm. Um, is it just as sufficient to give your time or how do, how do those things correlate with each other? Well, I'd want to be careful. There. I'd want to be careful there. <laughs> I want you to be careful so you don't go dying on us. I don't, I'd want to be careful there um, that we don't get into a swap mm-hmm. with God uh, where we're... Um, I can't give you my resources, but I but can, I give, can you. give you. But I'll give you this. Uh-huh. Or, or my so, talent. <laughs> right. So, and I get it. Some people are actually making no money. If that's the case, that's fine. I just... In our culture, we're, we're really, um, I've met a lot of people that are worked with people, cared for people that 
we they, can look they, for any excuse to hold on right. to money. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And so, in fact, I, I've like, known people, I'll give you an example, uh, that, you know, were paying tuition for their children to go to Christian school, and they considered that their tithe. Mm. And so we got to be really mm-hmm. careful that it's we... It's not quite like fasting, right? Where we, you can, fa- you don't, it doesn't have to be food. Well, I mean, <laughs> I have a passion there too. So okay. that, that, you know, I don't think, yeah. Well, because you've talked to before about like fasting other things. Like yes, and you can, but all biblical examples that I'm yes. aware of are regarding mm-hmm. food and right. or drink. Right. Mm-hmm. I just, um, yes, God owns it all, to your answer to your question, Beth. We need to be stewarding our time, our talents, and our treasure. Um, if you're not making anything or much, then sure, you, you can put your emphasis on giving more of your time uh, in ways of service. But the truth is we should be doing all three. Okay, great. All right, next question. Should a faith healer who has repented of his fraud be like Zacchaeus and give back the millions he got from the poor people he deceived? This is a fascinating question to me just because my brain didn't go there. I mean, we do have Zacchaeus is defrauding the public in order to get wealthy. Um, And I just found it, wow, interesting that this went to the fraudulent use of spiritual authority Mm. to get, to get rich. And folks, we know that happens. We know that happens. So I would say absolutely without a doubt, if you're lying and cheating people as a spiritual leader, uh, then you need to pay it back. There needs to be restitution some way, somehow. Yeah. Did that question catch you guys by surprise? Yeah, it was a, a little bit. The faith healer, I, I mean, I get why they, why they chose that, but that example, but I think it's true anywhere. If, right. if mm. in any occupation, if you used, especially if you used some in some way, your faith or your Christian, mm. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll do all your investments for you. I, I, oh. We go to church together. I follow Bernie Jesus. Madoff, and, right? yeah. Yeah. and then you use that and you, you, know, you, you knew that this was not on the up and up in legit. You used it mm-hmm. yeah. and, and you used your relationship or the fact that you, you know, had, you're a Christian, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I mean, and then generally just societally, like mm-hmm. if you're, if you're knowingly defrauding people, 100% you should pay it back. And then if it's actually illegal, usually there's other compensation, right? Like, it's not just, oh, I stole, I, I stole that, you know, those $1,000. Well, now you got to pay the $1,000 plus. Damages, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So, Have you all ever seen the movie Leap of Faith? It lead is Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Yeah. No. It's a, a great, time ago. it's 1992. Mm-hmm. I just looked it up. It's one of my favorite movies. He's a faith healer oh. um, traveling the country by bus with his whole entourage, the band, the choir, the everything. They land in a town and then they just dupe the whole town. They just empty the coffers. Yeah. Mm. Um, he has people f- set up in the audience. Yeah. To- it's the oh. classic faking mm-hmm. healing to wow the off- uh, the audience. It's truly an audience. It's not a congregation. Yeah. And so that they dro- drop more money in the bucket. And anyway, it's got a, f- I won't ruin the movie, it's got a fun twist in it um, as he unexpectedly uh, meets with somebody who's not a fraud. So yeah. it's a good, good movie. Thinking about this 
yesterday, just driving and just thinking about how long, I mean, so Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He wasn't just a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector. How long do you think was his reign? Like, how long do you think he was doing that for? I, I mean, five, ten years, yeah. fifteen years, maybe twenty. One. Like, a long time, right? A long time he's ripping off mm-hmm. these people. Getting fat. Yeah. And then, in what seems like an instant, it's all good. Yeah. Jesus shows up. He goes to his house. He repents. He gives back all the money. But, like, imagine being somebody who had been, you're being stolen from, you know, He's stealing from you for that long. And then he shows up and says, here's, here's all that money back. Yeah. Like, I was just thinking, like, I might still be really ticked. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, dude, for 10 years, my wife was you sick stuck and we had no me. money. Right. Or for 10 years, my kid. I lost my house. I needed this. And, I, and yeah. now you just show up and you just, you're going to give me everything back. And Well, thanks. Like, so, so if you haven't yet watched God's, The Chosen... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me put a watch that yet. Here right. we go. Is season there... two, okay. season two around a campfire, Peter blows up at Matthew, who was a tax collector. Oh. And Peter is just, he lets loose on him, and he's got all this anger stored mm. up. Yeah. Season one, you meet with Peter, and, and Matthew is sticking it to Peter, trying to collect taxes from him. Mm. So it's, um, it's a, you know, all this is is speculation the chosen on sure. on this count is not is not uh, framing biblical events uh, but it's it's speculating about what it might have been like around the campfire but let's be honest Matthew on one side of the campfire sold out to Rome on the other side of the campfire were others who were passionate about Roman's deliverance from the uh, about Israel's deliverance from Roman oppression like Simon the Zealot I mean, he would have been all about taking up arms in order to do away with people like Matthew. Right. How do you get those people to get along? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It was just making me think like, man, God's grace really is different. It really is radical. It really is different than anything else we experience. Because, man, I want to, you know, it's it's like when I You want a pound of flesh. I do. (laughs) I like when I think about, you know, what that must have been like for somebody and just to you see the Messiah coming and he's going to go stay at that guy's house. And then that guy has a come to Jesus, literal come to Jesus moment mm-hmm. and gives everything back. But it's like, I would, you would probably, a lot of people were still probably really bitter. Yeah. We're still upset. And I'm sure a lot of people probably didn't think it was fair. It's kind of like when I hear about the, you know, the, the guy working all day and getting a wage and then the guys coming in at the last <laughs> yeah. hour and working and mm-hmm. getting the same wage. Mm-hmm. It's it still is like, I can't wrap my mind around yeah. how that's mm-hmm. fair. You know, it's like, it's just, it's, God's undeserved grace that he gives to us. And it's, it's really, it really is amazing. All right. uh, Next question. Love the reminder that it's God's grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. But how does that work in parenting? You mentioned that we should parent with this in mind. I'm not sure what you mean. Yeah. So to parent with God's grace in mind means, uh, for me, it means I got to make sure I've experienced it. I can't offer my kids something I've not experienced. Mm -hmm. And, and so if, if you're a parent out there and, and you're not sure if you've experienced God's grace, uh, one of the ways that we really come in contact with God's grace is to take a long look at our own sinfulness and so anytime we want to experience more of God's grace, what we, what we actually come in contact with is our sinfulness. 
And then the experience of he loves me despite that. And he loves me enough not to leave me mired in that. He's Mm -hmm. cared for me in that. So I think parents that communicate grace best to their kids in the parenting process have experienced it. They're Mm -hmm. keenly aware of their own sin and God's goodness to them. And not in a permissive way, um, not continuing in their sin, but actually feeling called out of it and knowing that God's patient with them. Mm. Um, and then parents that have experienced God's gra- grace will actually parent out of that. They'll mm-hmm. be more at rest. They'll have more peace in their life. They'll have more contentment. Uh, I'll, they'll have more obedience. They'll have more, um, they're more relaxed. Christians should, Christian parents should be the most relaxed parents. Now, that's not always the case, but we relax when we meet with God's grace. We know that he's caring for us in ways that we, we don't, we're not even aware of. I'll give you one example. So, um, it's probably like my, the opposite experience. Sadly. Yeah. That yeah. Christian parents are the most relaxed. It should be the case that Christian parents are the most at peace, most contented, more rested. Soul rest is what I mean. Mm-hmm. I'll give you one example. So uh, one of my children was uh, in high school, in junior high, did really well in their subject matter, in, in the subjects. And so they were invited to be a part of the fast paced. I don't know what mm-hmm. it's called. Pace. Yeah. 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 So which meant a different set of classes yeah. and stuff. And they don't say gifted anymore. Yeah. Every kid is gifted. Everybody's yeah. gifted. <laughs> and and uh, actually two, so two of my kids were invited into that reality. Both said no. Hmm. <laughs> and I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. No, thanks. And so that happened. Wait, wait can we guess which two? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> such a bug. <laughs> so he deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that happened in elementary. That happened in junior high. That's awesome. That happened in high school. In fact, in high school, and we were just laughing about this recently. Sherry had to sign forms that said we didn't want them mm. fast tracked. Mm-hmm. And I just. Um, there's a certain amount of, uh, and I'm not condemning people that are a part of that, right. but my right. kids didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. And I, and I say, we should be able to say no and be at peace and rest mm-hmm. in, in stepping out of things that, that we feel distinctly called to knowing that God has our back. Mm-hmm. It's not that we're perfect in our parenting. I don't know. This, this example is breaking down a little. So no, but you know what it's reminding <laughs> me in, in like the, suburban kind of sports culture it's a it's tryout season for some sport some club sports and parents can get really worked up about that and um when you remember though that god has a place for them and maybe that there's there's somebody on your team who needs a friend like you or maybe you know so it doesn't you don't have to worry about which level team your kid ends up on because if you just trust God with the process of it then he's going to put them where they need to be and maybe that's a coach that's going to be really like formative to them can I tell a story yeah I'll tell you another parenting (laughs) moment so Andrew played Rams football and Andrew listens to the podcast and I told him this just the story 
after he was done playing college football. I told him this story I'm about to tell after he was done playing college football. Mm -hmm. So Andrew played Rams. He was, he's a big kid, so he had to play up a level. So he played with kids older than him because mm -hmm. of his size. And so the first year, great. There were other coaches. I just stood on the sidelines. Second year, he played Rams football. They needed a coach. So I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll assist, but I don't have much mm -hmm. to offer. So in assisting, I was sucked into the orb of you had to go to draft day, which was when all the testosterone, mm. no, I'm sorry, when all the men <laughs> get in a room together and they divvy up all the players. So there's the a, there's teams a, between, are relatively fair. There's mm -hmm. a draft for the whole league. For the to whole try league. and make the it league. even, yeah. Okay. And so going into the draft. And, and what the, what's the age? What, what age are we talking about here? 12. Okay. Going into the draft, the, the coach who was acting as the head said, hey, our, our sons are on our team because we're the coach. We, mm -hmm. we, they won't be in the draft. Okay. I said, oh, okay, good to know. We don't have to fight for our own sons. Yeah. So we get around this table, and there's, there's 10 guys at this table, and they're all fighting over the talent. No. There's lots of talent on the table, right? And so Andrew's name should have never been in the pot. But mm -hmm. somehow his name got into the pot as draftable. They didn't know I was a coach, that his dad was sitting at the table. Mm. So his name gets pulled up, and another man on the other side of the table said, that kid's worthless. <laughs> you can have him. I don't want him. And there's this silence because uh, several of the men at the table knew it was my son. Oh, my gosh. And I, did you go full Texas? Or? And I said, <laughs> oh, we'll Texas. take him. We'll take him. We're, we, we'll we take him. We just, we just left it at that. Oh, my gosh. The, That's the, the coach went on and on. He's worthless. He won't tackle, blah, blah, blah. I said, we'll take him. Mm -hmm. Well, I never told Andrew that story. Well, the kid went on to play high school football pretty mm -hmm. proficiently, got to play college football. Yep. Right now, he's a college football coach. Mm -hmm. And I just, all right, so. So you yeah. went back to that guy? Well, I said, hey, where's your kid at right you now? You just sent him an envelope of <laughs> newspaper clippings. Who's worthless now? To put a cherry on the top of it, the man who said it didn't even have a son. He was a grandfather. Mm. I, I just can't overstate the amount of testosterone in the room during mm -hmm. the event. And the posturing <laughs> and the stress, the stress that will my children be okay? Will my kids get all the fair shakes in life? Right. And so all these men are posturing in, you know, Pop Warner, what is it? Rams football. Yeah. So, I just, Christians should be the parents with the most confidence mm -hmm. that, that God is at work for our, our children's mm -hmm. good. Would you go so far to say, like, <laughs> um, if you're a Christian parent, like, you're not, none of these decisions that we're talking about, right? So, school, football team, sports, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, would you go so far as to say, like, you're not going to make a decision that is going to make or break your kid's life. Oh, right. So mm -hmm. I say to my kids all the time. Because that's the, that's the fear, mm -hmm. right? Like, I got to get I it over right. I don't want to do right. something that's going to wreck my kids. No. Exactly. Like, I do think there are some urgent parenting decisions to be made. Yes. <laughs> but, but with this, we're talking about, well, and I, you know, the biggest, the biggest distinction for me in, in parenting, and I clearly do not do this perfect, but there is, there's sort of, if you, there's, there's two perspectives that I think. One is parents who prepare their kid for whatever is going to mm -hmm. come their way. This is a little bit of what Beth was saying. Like, 
uh, hey, you didn't make the A team, bud. You're on the B team. God wants you there for a reason. Right. You get to play with, you know, Jack and Bobby and right. whatever. And the bounce it, back it, type it, of mentality. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh-huh. do you be you in that yeah. experience? Work your hardest. Show up with a good mm-hmm. attitude. Right. And then there's another. So that's preparing your kid for the path ahead of them. Mm-hmm. The other is we prepare the path. For the mm-hmm. kid. For the kid. Mm-hmm. So we, we're out in front of them. we make all the phone calls to yeah. the A-team coach, and we email mm-hmm. the the team manager and the the club president, and we're like, listen, my kid needs da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Or mm-hmm. the bad interaction with a teacher. It's the teacher's fault, mm-hmm. not the kid's fault. The ba- you know? right. So we're constantly, mm-hmm. instead of saying, hey, listen, God's made you this way. Here is who you are, and here's how you can make your way through life. It's not always going to be safe. Mm-hmm. It's not always going to be what you want. It's not. So we work on our child to prepare them mm-hmm. for all of life. Again, I'm not perfect in this. But you <laughs> yeah. see, you see that you see, in suburbia, you see parents out is, in front clearing right. the trail oh, all the time. Totally. And there's a lot and, of stress in that. Right. There's I not a lot think, of peace and contentment. And I think yeah. that's a good diagnostic question to ask yourself as a parent. Totally. Am I preparing the path before the kid or am I preparing the kid for the path? And yeah. there's a difference. A, the word used to be helicopter parenting, where our kid right. is going and we're helicoptering above them and sort of watching them. That's gone. It's now lawn mowing. Bulldozing is what they call it. <laughs> you're a bulldoze parent. You're not you are everything. out front of your kid and you're bulldozing their path. This is, mm-hmm. this is what I want for them, what I see for them. And so I bulldoze everything yeah. for them so it's safe, it's right, it's the best for my kid. And you just bulldoze the path. And that, well, it's and just here, creating a whole disaster behind you. Yeah. And here's, uh, I say to my kids all the time, no human holds your future in their hands. 100%. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to lie, manipulate, coerce. Uh, overpower people, convincing them that you're you're valuable, worthy. Right. You, God is. He, to John's point, he's given you gifts. He's given you abilities. Mm-hmm. Use those as best you can. Wait and see what God does. It's not a passive posture of waiting, but knock on the doors. Be confident, and courageous, mm-hmm. and and clearly, there are situations of where you have to advocate for your kids. Right. Yeah. It's not every situation, mm-hmm. and it's often the case, Gary and I have had this conversation, where you just need to be honest with yourself and say, my kid doesn't have it. No. Right? Well, my, and that's they the point. Just, yeah. They don't have it. They're not. Andrew the, wasn't and the that's best okay. kid. He should yeah. have been high in the draft because he was playing up an age group. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it, was just, it was just laughable how, anyway, I, I want I want my kids, and I want personally to be full of a confidence that God's greater than anything mm-hmm. I'm going to face, and they're going to face. Let me finish on the question yeah, here. Sorry. We're sidetracked a little. Experience God's grace, then let the grace of God affect the way you're actually living. Be a person of rest and peace and contentment. Talk about God's grace in the home. And in order to talk mm-hmm. about grace, you have to talk about sin. So what happens in our Christian homes are is often we... We find the language of sin harsh, and we don't raise it in the home. If we don't raise the language of sin, there's no real opportunity to talk about grace. Mm -hmm. I'm a big one about mistakes. Mistakes, God didn't come to save us from mistakes. He came to save us from sin. And so we have to to talk about what sin is. Lying is sin. Cheating is sin. Stealing is sin. Uh, (laughs) Punching someone in the face for no good reason is a sin. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. Anyway, I could go on and on. So sin, you have to have the language of sin in order to talk about grace. 
or they'll never really understand it. And then you have to show how to extend God's grace. Mm -hmm. They have to, in Matt, in Luke's account of 19, everybody said, Jesus is going to eat at a sinner's house. And I'm a, they have to see us. Our kids have to see us hanging out with sinful people. They have to see us taking friendships and taking, receiving people into our house. People that need grace is what I'm trying to say. So often we cocoon our homes and cocoon mm -hmm. our children. And I'm not talking about protecting them. Certainly some scenarios are, are mm -hmm. unsafe. But at the same time, our kids have to see us full of a confidence that God's grace is needed by other people. Needed by, and that we can extend it. We have something to offer people. Mm -hmm. That's good. All right. Next question. <laughs> Seems Long. like to me that Jesus is celebrating Zacchaeus's decision to give half his money away to the poor and pay back four times what he stole. How can we be sure that Jesus wasn't saying that these behaviors are actually what saved him? Yeah. We can't. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, if it were as easy. Yeah, as I was just going to say. It sounds way your, too easy. Right. right. <laughs> if it were as easy as, as giving half your possessions away to the poor. Easy for me to say. I don't have many possessions. <laughs> well, still, you only have to give half. Right. So half of what you got. So I might be able to pull that off. Does that include bikes? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You have to give away half your bikes. Half the stuff you like. <laughs> so we can be sure because it conflicts what Jesus explicitly taught everywhere else. Yep. Mm -hmm. So in, mm. in John six forty four, no one comes to me unless the father draws him. He doesn't say no one comes to me unless they give half their stuff mm -hmm. away. No, in John six forty four, he says, no one comes to me unless God's work of grace and God, unless God is luring them, drawing them. In other words, no one's saved unless God's at work. In other words, we're only saved by God's work. And then in John um, chapter 1, when describing the born-again experience, Jesus said that these are children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but they're born of God. So he's describing those who are born again, those who are saved. And he actually, say, he actually says the born-again are born again not of a husband's decision or human decision. In other words, not of human effort. It's not give half your money to the church and you'll be saved. No, the born again, those being saved are being saved. They're being born again because God brought them to new life. And then in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, Jesus is explicit about the work of salvation is a work that God's doing in our life. What he's celebrating is the evidence of salvation. Mm -hmm. He's saying, my gosh, God's at work in Zacchaeus's life. Look at how he's responding to the grace of God. Jesus is celebrating the fruit in keeping with repentance. He's celebrating the outcome or the impact of grace, not the cause of Zacchaeus's sal salvation. Mm-hmm. It's making me think of, I'm totally going to get it wrong, but you had a process where it was like, like the order of salvation, the order of yeah. salvation. Yeah, yeah. There's like the, the birth thing. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. The, like, hey, sanctification. That's right. But a cart and horse kind of scenario. First right. he was saved. And then the fruit of that. Yeah. So was... we, we do ourselves a disservice in pulpit ministry and in the ministry of the church. When we say, um, 
things like, if you want to be born again, confess Jesus as Lord. Now, we've mixed there all, all that's going on. The truth is those who confess Christ as Savior have already been born again. This is getting mm. at the order. Mm -hmm. So those God, the theological word is regenerate. He's bringing them to new life. Those are the ones who confess with their mouth. So in pulpit ministry, I'll say often, if you feel in yourself a desire to confess Christ as Lord, God is at work in you. Confess with your mouth what your heart is believing and you'll be saved. Mm -hmm. But God is already causing the heart to believe before the confession takes place. God was already at work in Zacchaeus's life. We know that. Because he wants to give half his money away to the poor. No one wants to do that, especially Matt's, to Matt's point, mm -hmm. someone entrenched in it, extorting money for what, five years, a decade, multiple decades. I mean, Zacchaeus was entrenched in extortion. He was a chief tax collector. He doesn't change on a dime unless God's already at work in his heart. Mm -hmm. So God's work precedes man's response. Right. Yeah. Okay, uh, last question. Kelly talks about idols, saying that this or that is a common or popular idol in our community. Wasn't that more of an Old Testament issue? Wouldn't it be more accurate to simply talk about sin? I get that some sins are more common in one setting or shared among a group, but talk about idols and idolatry conjures up pictures of people bowing in front of their luxury car or their mansion. It actually says Mick Mansion. <laughs> I haven't heard that term in forever. I, I don't uh -huh. know that term. Well, it's just the... Yeah, there's it, a book written about it. Yeah. It's like um, people are in debt up to their eyeballs to maintain a certain mm. uh, appearance. Sure. Um, idolatry. So first we, we need to realize that while few are bowing to actual idols in, in DuPage County, idol worship does continue in mm -hmm. many parts of the world. In fact, I had mentioned I got my COVID shots at the Hindu temple out on Route 59, and that place is full of idols. I mean, so in the Hindu culture, they're, you know, they're still bowing to idols. Uh, so it's not that it was only an ancient world experience. Second, we must realize, in fact, in Buddhism, Jainism, um, many of the Asian religions are still bowing to idols. Second, we must realize that idolatry is not simply a physical reality. Idolatry is actually ultimately a matter of the heart. And so while no one in our little subculture is, you know, uh, bowing to idols uh, physically, idolatry mm -hmm. is ultimately a matter of the heart. To bow to an idol, you, you've got to revere the deity that it, it represents at some level in your heart. So in the New Testament, Paul says along those lines, he says, put to death, this is Colossians 3, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he names some things, some sins that belong to our earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Then he says, which is idolatry? And so Paul says that we can actually serve in our lives things that we're not bowing to, but our hearts are given away to them and they're sinful, sexual immorality, lust, evil desires, greed. He says, these are idolatrous. So when I say that these are popular sins in our culture that we serve as idols. What I mean is we've set them up and we're bowing to them. We are cow We might not be doing it physically, but we're serving them. Mm. And that's a breaking of the first and second commandment. You know, the first is you should have no other God before me. The second is you should not make any graven images. So don't have any gods before me. Don't bow to anything else. And certainly don't make a physical image of that idol and bow to it. So, All right.
Good word. Mm-hmm. 200? Two, it's 200. We're out. Done. It's in the books. We got it. Done, done. We'll be dude. back in September. Thank you so much to our listeners. This is tremendously helpful uh, to the pulpit ministry of Gone Bible Church. And Which is why we're abandoning it for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're also not that would actually be good to keep sending your questions. Yeah, because <laughs> at least right? it helps. It helps me but, and others. Right, know what and, questions yeah, people have. Well, with it. Yeah. Frankly, we we see where we communicated poorly. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, or there, where there's a a place that needs greater explanation. So mm-hmm. they're hugely helpful. These questions. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the Next Level Podcast, 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thank you for joining us and thank you listeners for tuning in to the next level. Prophecy.